Building Years Podcast with Justin Alexio and Jeremiah Watkins. New episodes every Wednesday. Welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Building Years. This is Jeremiah Watkins. Yeah, it's Justin Alexio. I got my mustache in my mouth. You got a mustache in your mouth? Yeah, got to trim, baby. Got to trim that. But the show episode ain't about us. <laughs> <laughs> what a great, the great. Uh, this show is about us. We have a guest in the, in the house. Uh, I'm very excited to, uh, and I say that a lot at the beginning of the podcast, where I'm like, I'm very excited to have this person. But this guy, uh, this dude uh, has been out here. I've looked up to this dude for years. I've been uh, grinding along in the scene with him, and I'm very uh, excited and happy to have in the room, in the studio with us, Ed Greer right now. Welcome, Ed Greer, to the show, everybody. What's up, everybody? Uh, thank you very much, Jeremiah and Justin. This is this is a real real honor to be on the building years because uh, I feel like I'm still building. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> most of the people who we have on the show are are definitely in their building years. And that's like, you know, that's kind of the point of the show is, uh, you know, we're not, (laughs) we ourselves are not Mark Marins (laughs) or anything yet. We have a no celebrity rule. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, a no celebrity rule, but (laughs) we'd make an exception (laughs) if a celebrity is like, I want to talk about my building years on your show. I'd be like, okay, (laughs) I'll I'll let that happen. Uh, But yeah, dude, uh, yeah, Ed, uh, Justin, I've been... um, uh, I've been out here. Justin and I are coming up on being out here uh, for about five years, and uh, I saw Ed. I've seen Ed basically crushing it as soon as I started stand up. Like I started going around town, and I was like, "Who is this Ed Greer guy?" <laughs> like, like, and and I was like, "This guy destroys." And then I uh, found out that uh, he has a website called like Support Destruction and stuff like that, and I was like. Oh, this guy knows how good he is. <laughs> he's he's feeding into he's so it. arrogant. <laughs> uh, but how long uh, how long have you been uh, out here in LA doing uh, stand up? Ed, uh, I've been out here in LA for like ten years, but I've been doing comedy for about seven. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a uh, it's a journey, man. Yeah, because you see, there there's people who are in it for like. Five years who have like TV shows and everything's great, you know. Yep. And then there's people who are in it for like 15 years and they're barely like a C level headliner. <laughs> yeah. And oh then God. you see yourself as like, which one am I? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Am I closer to the Wonder Can that's about to get a show, <laughs> or am I closer to this dude who's just like, yeah, man, I need 50 bucks gas money to make it to, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, yeah. So you don't want to be that dude. And then, and then the funny thing is, it's like everybody. I like the fact that I'm on here because so many people have a misconception about like. I talked to a guy one time and he was like, yo, he was like, yo, uh, you've been doing comedy for like six years. That's a long time, bro. And I'm like, you're retarded. <laughs> That's not long. Yeah, it's no. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And people start, th- they don't get that. Like, I mean, the old rule used to be 10 years or whatever, but mm-hmm. I feel like the younger guys are finding out how to get more spots to get their mind right about comedy as far as who they are a little right. bit earlier. But it's still you look at look at Leslie Jones, who's just blowing up, blowing up. She's had specials maybe five, seven years ago. Yeah. But I'm talking about blowing up to where she's not just black people famous. Yeah. Just now, fifteen years in. Yeah. Bill Burr. Bill Burr got a show like three years in and it failed. And then his next thing happened like twelve years later. 
Yeah, you know? it, it's crazy. I was talking with uh with Justin actually uh, earlier today, like how, you know, because the the longer that we're in the stand up scene out here, the more of our friends that we're just slowly seeing on TV and on sitcoms and stuff like that. And uh, some of them are very funny, and then others you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know how. You must be able to act very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we were talking like how it's crazy, guys like Bill Burr, uh, even Louis C.K., like uh, how long it really t- take them to become like really big. And even like. Uh, if you like, uh, I I saw the just saw the trailer for Dumb Dumber Two. Uh-huh. It took Jim Carrey forever, like of just like yeah. years of grinding in the stand up scene to really figure out like well to it, figure out what he did, yeah, and how everybody can monetize it. Exactly, you know what I mean. That's that's the thing that's funny to me. It's like people worry about so much about like getting good because it takes most people so long to get good. But frankly, I mean, and you're right. The, the egg grid destroys thing. Let me just explain that, please. Because, like, you know, a lot of people be like, hey, man, you've been in eight years. You ain't got no shows. You headline H and F rooms on a scale of A, B, C, D. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like a C-level headliner right now. You know what I'm saying? As far as, like, me being able to draw, uh, draw a crowd, you know, and get yeah. paid and shit like that. So it just seems to me like people don't understand that. I, I hate that everybody's got their own path thing. But it's so true. Some yeah. people... Like, they do comedy for three years somewhere else. And then they come here for, like, two years. So a cumulative of five. But they they got their particular, what are people going to sell about you? Well, they yeah. figured that out earlier than some people. Well, that's the thing with, like, guys like, uh, I mean, even, like, Chris D'Elia. I, how long has he even really been doing stand-up? It's, like, under, I think he's been doing comedy maybe six years. Like well, the, that's... Thing, the thing with, uh, with Chris is Chris... Um, is he's special, but he's not. Like when he was a kid, he had to do shows for his parents and shit because they were showbiz people. Right. So he had to like act for them and stuff. So it's like he started when I started. I started like January 19th, roughly eight years ago, seven, mm-hmm. eight years ago. And the second or third open mic I went to, Chris was already there. Oh. And him and this dude at Chris Mako used to hang out a lot, Chris and Chris. You know, and yeah. there wasn't any difference between them except one of them would fall on the ground while he's performing, and the other one would just stand still. And that's the only way I knew the difference between them. <laughs> <laughs> and then just Chris was always so committed, though. Yeah. There's no dude on the scene that's not a total idiot that begrudges Chris anything that was yeah. there at the beginning, like at the haha cafe days and stuff. Nobody like us, nobody like me begrudges him anything right because i saw him falling on the ground jeremiah ended up frankly <laughs> you know what i mean jeremiah watkins very physical comedian if you only know him from the podcast <laughs> <laughs> right if you only know my voice <laughs> you know this and you're really good at being there if there's three people in the audience or there's a hundred people in the audience you'll end up on the floor or in the ceiling fan or, or around some fucked up place <laughs> and that's what you do you're you're so engaged and you're so committed and that's what he was doing back then Mm-hmm. All the voices and the falling down and the putting himself in weird positions and being very physical and punching his jokes up with physicality. That was always there. I have a militant black act. You know what I'm saying? Despite <laughs> how I sound. I have a militant black comic book niche act that mm-hmm. I've been perfecting. I'm great. They haven't figured out how to sell me, nor the have I. So right. there's no way I'm supposed to be like Crystalia. Mm-hmm. There's no way. There's no way the world accepts me as much as they would accept him. And anybody... If you're maladjusted, that'll fuck your brain up. If you understand the world, you go, okay, cool. You know, yeah, wait till I my, have wait my, my turn. place exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna fit in this specific place once 
people know exactly you know where to put me, where to to place mm-hmm. me, where to market. And once me. you know, that's yeah. the thing. A lot of people. I mean, that's the thing about the ten year rule. It doesn't take ten years for anybody intelligent that has talent and stand up to get an hour act that they could tour with. That doesn't take ten years for that. Right. It takes ten years for you to figure out what hour you're supposed to do that best represents you in a sellable way. I agree. You know, yeah. and that's why I'm I'm eight years in. I probably have an hour and fifty minutes. That's killer, and another hour of trash. So, you know, <laughs> is it is it that type of shit that's going to get me my special? Is it the type of shit that's going to make some lawyer go, "Hey, you know, this guy," you know, or some agent? You know what I mean? It isn't quite yet, not to me, or maybe I haven't got you know exposed myself as much. You right. Know? Regardless. Things click. Things tend to click around the ten year mark. They really do. Even if you get some great stuff six years in, look at what you get when you're ten years in. If you're talented, it's oh. so better. Yep, it's so better, and it's so much more you. I don't know if I've ever seen somebody be 10, 12 years in and go backwards and just be like, "Now I'm on a now I'm at a chicken shack. This is what I'm supposed to do. I got a damn, you know. I started out as Paul Mooney, and now I got a chicken costume on. I figured it out." <laughs> I don't see that. <laughs> you know, I see people getting more into their voice. Bill Burr is a hundred percent better com- comedian and marketable thing and everything that he was when he got a show like four years into the game. Of course, he'll tell you the story. He, he got a show four years into the game and then it got canceled and he never thought he'd get anything again. Yeah, which you know? that happens a lot out here. Yeah, so you get that one shot, and if you mess it up, then there's. Mm-hmm. But if the talent will supersede. What those consequences of of being you know put in comedian timeout or from network <laughs> right. TV or whatever, right? Then that's what works. That's what how it happens. Right. I mean, people don't understand. It's like it's a long. What did Chris Rock says, like life's not short. Life is long, especially when you make the wrong choices. <laughs> you know? And sometimes, sometimes I feel like I made a couple wrong choices. Like I I could have been more friendly with certain guys who have gotten famous now. Mm-hmm. But it's just like. If I think you're a douche when you're not famous, I'm not about to you know, yeah, yeah. with you when you got all the fame. Yeah, so like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm not about to do that. So, I mean, I think there are certain people who kind of rub me the wrong way as a person that are famous now that I'm just like, wow, I guess if I was a douche, I'd be famous now too. But that's a bad attitude. Mm. You got to have an attitude of like, my mom used to say uh, she's super religious or whatever, like everybody's fucking mom. <laughs> but she goes, she goes, she goes. Um, nobody can ever take your blessing, right? Because your blessing is designed for you. Mm-hmm. Whatever thing that's going to come, there's no way that I'm gonna be auditioning against Jeremiah Watkins for Click Two. There's no yeah. way. There is no way. That's for Jeremiah. Not that you're supposed to be in Click Two. Right. I'm just saying. You know That'd what I'm saying? Like credit. the new, the new, the new Bruce Almighty, the new awesome movie where he's yeah. a physical young guy offbeat but still handsome look they're not gonna fucking pick me and there's so many people that are so mad that they're not what what a small segment of hollywood is looking for i mean i know a guy who's mad right now that he didn't get on the daily show this guy doesn't ever write political jokes (laughs) he never lives in that world he never says political jokes in his act and he's mad that he didn't get on the daily show because he got it in his head that he wants to be on the daily show regardless if the daily show needs you or wants you or could use you or if you would be good for it Yep. You know, I mean, I'm a fat black comic. What if I was mad that I wasn't on Undateable like Ron Funches? Can you see me trying to act fucking cute and pull candy out my pocket and shit? Can you fucking see me doing that? Fuck no. no. And nobody else can either. You know what I mean? I see and you that's as, not a diss. That's I, not a diss to me. I see me you him. as the security guard running up and tasing Ron Funches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's right. Stay <laughs> You know, I mean, and that's, that's just what I'm saying. It's just, it's so. Everybody's different. And when, you know, 
when I design my own project or if some, you know, I'm working with some guys now, I'm writing two pilots. I mean, I've gotten into a lot of the writing thing, mm-hmm. which a lot of comedians think is like this weird loser path of like, eh, you would be that J- epitaph or something. Like, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm, I'm going to be on stage at Poughkeepsie when I'm 50 or be sitting up getting four blowjobs at a Hollywood bungalow. Like, what's the. <laughs> like, who would Take choose? the blowjobs. Yeah. I mean, you know, being successful at anything out here is so hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and I think a lot of people are hamstring their success in their building years, like um, like what we're in right now. Yeah. Because they have the wrong goal. And my goal when I first got out here was to be a screenwriter. And yeah. So why? You know, yeah. Why? Why you were out here three years before you started doing comedy? Yeah, I was out here. I was out here trying to be a screenwriter, but I came out here with a bunch of money from a day job, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to work. Yeah, and, and I just, da- that can be dangerous. Especially it's super for, dangerous, especially <laughs> for us. Uh, yeah, whenever you're younger, or just as especially comedians, because right. when things are going well, we have the temptation to just be like, let's just ride this out. Let's just see where, where mm-hmm. this goes. And you're not forcing, you're not pushing yourself as hard as you necessarily could or should be. Mm-hmm. Whenever money is just kind of coming in, you're like, ah, this is going to last forever. <laughs> like right. this is, I'll get a job eventually, whatever. And then, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, I'm out of money. Right. I really need to hustle. <laughs> no, that's exactly what happened to me. I had a job, I had a job as a bill collector for Transamerica Bank. Oh, Jesus. Did and people I was, hate you? Dude, it well, was funny well, because I was hilarious. I was like, look, I was one of those, you want to go to jail, you want to go home. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, I'm going to be real with you right now. You, you got know? two options. <laughs> right. And I was just like that. And and I had enough personality. Like, I remember one, I remember the, I, one of the times that I knew that I was a comedian was Kansas City, like 2000, maybe three or something, like mm-hmm. years before I started comedy, years and I'm chilling out in the break room, and people would come into the break room, and I would be sit, I'd be on lunch, and they'd be sitting in the break room. I'd be sitting in the break room by myself. They would march in, set up chairs in front of my table that I was eating lunch at, mm-hmm. set them up audience style as a big ring with another row of chairs behind that row, and they would pepper me with questions, and my answers everybody would laugh at. <laughs> And that was like, that was lunch. Lunch was every lunch I couldn't eat by myself. If I tried to eat by myself, they would crowd around me and say, hey, Ed, what do you think about... And sometimes it was so like Byron Allen on Comics on Ladies. Hey, I hear you like dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Just setting you up 100%. So, Knocked us out the park. So the other day, uh, my grandma was slipping down a set of stairs. Uh, Have you ever had an experience like that? (laughs) Well, Chuck, Chuck. (laughs) it's always Chuck. (laughs) No, but anyway, so that that kind of that sort of thing throughout my life taught me that people wanted to hear what I had to say or something right. like that. So, but I felt as in Kansas City, Missouri, which you're from as well, right? Yeah, uh, or Kansas outside, side, yeah, yeah, Kansas side, uh-huh. yeah. So I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, my Missouri experience was like, you're just a fucking weirdo, man. Like all Absolutely. these weird thoughts that you think you're weird, yeah, and you need to stop it because that's weird. You know what I mean? And it's like. Fuck y'all. Yeah. So when I came out to LA, it was like, Lies. you're weird. I'm weird. Everybody's weird. And it's weird, 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 Yeah, weird, you're, weird. you're embraced. Yeah. Like, w- whenever I was back in Kansas City, I, to express my weirdness, I'd make videos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, th- uh, as far as like school goes and stuff, if you like acted a certain way or whatever, people are just like, why are you acting like that? Right. It's like, you're not falling in line with this, you're not conforming to what we think of mm-hmm. a normal high schooler or a normal citizen of Kansas City. Yep. But so have you tried to basically um, r- kind of 
rebrand or rebrand yourself in the last couple of years? Because it sounds like yeah. you have a pretty strong hold of what you want to do. Now, now, now it's been it's so much better. Like because I've spent like the, the guy I told you about earlier. I spent so many years being like, well, I'm gonna be a screenwriter, a big ultra action movies, and then I started figuring out in the middle like. Who the fuck wants to hear the hundred million dollar action pitch for some Negro screenwriter from Kansas City? <laughs> like who like does that ever happen? Have you ever been at a hundred million dollar movie and saw them pan to the writer and it'd be a fat black dude? <laughs> ever. Never. And I was really thinking about how do I get in that room? How do I get in that room to pitch my stuff in a way that is engaging? Everybody likes to hear me talk. Well, not everybody, but <laughs> not all the time either. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Everybody likes the way I relay information. I'll be, it's almost like a Batman moment. I'll be, my, and my friend, Derek Wallace, who came out here with me to be a filmmaker, he said, why don't you just do comedy? You think you're so funny. Everybody thinks you're so funny. You think you're so funny. Why don't you just go do comedy? <laughs> and I was like, well, it was sort of, I don't know. I didn't, I thought of it as, I overthink everything. So I thought of it as like, comedians make the least money for the most effort of work of all of entertainment when you really look at it. Mm-hmm. Like we work so many hours to get our craft right, out thousands of hours to get our craft right, and most of those hours are unpaid. And when yep. you finally get it on, you're at the you're the lowest level actor. You're not even actor actor. Actor actors get these contracts. Da, da, da. You get to walk on and say something funny and fall down. And if you do that, <laughs> good, you know. And if you say do that good enough, maybe they'll give you some lines and so on and so forth. It's a different path to acting to me for a comedian. So I just felt like, and I didn't want to be an actor anyway. I don't want to be an actor. I don't care to be an actor at all. Yeah. And it was just like, so I spent a lot of time trying to write, and then I started doing comedy so I could get an immediate reaction to my writing, so it would help me in pitches and stuff. But I didn't know that at the time. I gotta say, right now, I know that that's what it was for. Because right now, in a room, I'm amazing. Mm -hmm. If I pitch my screenplay in a room, I'm better than some average writer. Of course, because they don't have any... You know how to control a room now. You have thousands of hours underneath your belt of... Mm -hmm. Of performing in front of either huge crowds or performing in front of one or two people mm-hmm. and be, knowing how to engage and connect with them uh, on a personal level right. and not uh, not talk over them or around them or just be reading shakily your cue cards right. or right. whatever. Yeah, I don't have to envision them naked. I don't have to look out the window <laughs> yeah. at a Blue Jay and go, Blue Jay, would you like to do my movie? <laughs> I've got a question I've been waiting to ask a black comic. We haven't had a black comic on. It's been a little bit. Well, yeah. we have Moses on, but I forgot to ask him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Moses was like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we haven't had a black comic. Like, yeah, no, now like we're weeks. talking about studios. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about Tyler Perry? I know he gets, he gets shit on a lot in the comedic community, but like... I hear like black people like him because he's you know head of a studio, like the first mm-hmm. kind of first black guy to do that. What's your take on him? Um, I think we're living in, in the second step and fetch it era. You know what I mean? There's <laughs> there's like there's like one era where it was all bad and all the black people had to be crappy to get on. We're in the second one where there's a divergent path. You can be this stuff shirt W Kamal Bell type. You know what I'm saying? Where it's mm-hmm. like he's like a hella political and he's smart and he's got his afro and everything. And I'm not trying to diss that dude, but it's like I think a lot of that sort of the show that he did that Chris Rock produced, I think that has less entertainment value for a lot of people than the coonery and buffoonery of Tyler Perry. Right. And yeah. they're, they're kind of forcing, I feel as though black artists are being forced down two paths either be a coon like Tyler Perry and do stuff. For the people who are dumb. And Tyler Perry himself is smarter than what he's doing. Yeah. He knows. That's the insidious part of so-called so-called smart black people not liking him. Is they believe in their hearts that Tyler Perry is very much smarter than what he's doing. 
he's dumbing his stuff down. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Masses, yeah. to, to, for, for, to, and also to help keep certain parts of the black masses dumb and liking that sort of entertainment and liking to see themselves portrayed as, you know, weird uh, criminal grandmas. And, That's my grandma. My grandma steals stuff. No, your fucking grandma doesn't. <laughs> Why are you, you know what I'm saying? Your grandma's nothing like Medea. Nobody's grandma's like Medea. You know, it's like those shows on like Mexican TV. I've never met a Mexican person act like the people on Mexican TV. Oh act. yeah, not one yeah. time. They're huge caricatures. Yeah, of, they're 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 live action Mexican cartoons. Yeah, they got Mexican step and fetches on TV and tall blonde Mexican bitches that they shipped from somewhere. You know, on TV representing the beauty, so the average Mexican chick doesn't feel beautiful compared to some blonde bitch from Spain. <laughs> and then you got uh, the black people with all their shows have all the characters are fat and shit, like the Tyler Perry show. Like, one show, all the characters are fatter than me. It's like black <laughs> obesity is bad, but Jesus, everybody in the whole family is a fat piece of shit. You know, it's just like there's so many things that like he does that kind of just a lot of black people think it's it's lower level thinking. He can think higher than that, but he but he foists lower level thinking on black people and calls mm. it entertainment. And too many black people accept it because if we're not a thug or a gangster or a fallen down or, you know, whatever, we don't see ourselves. You know what I mean? So it's like everybody can't be Jordy LaForge is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I, I think a lot of people hate Tyler Perry. To me, I think he's I think he makes art for himself. And his art is tremendously successful for the people who like it. And he's not concerned. And he's also giving black people jobs. I would like to be the anti-Tyler Perry. All the black nerds come work for me. All the black dummies go work for him. That'd be dope. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. So, sorry for the long-winded answer. Oh, no. It's all good. Uh, a lot of people um, know you, Ed, as uh, uh, like a really good comedic rapper. Mm -hmm. Did that come into play right away whenever you were doing comedy? Or did you kind of fit, know... Uh, did you kind of figure that out a couple years into comedy? Like, because I know you're you're just a big fan of rap in general. Mm -hmm. uh, when did you kind of combine the two? Because you've got um, he, if uh, you YouTube Ed Greer, uh, he's got multiple um, really uh, high hit hitting uh, videos on uh, uh, the Laugh Factory's YouTube channel and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. uh, a couple of them have uh, some like raps in mm -hmm. them. Uh, when yeah. did that kind of come into play uh, into your uh, your comedy. Um, well, when I was back in Kansas City, I used to be down with these dudes called the SA Crew, mm -hmm. and uh, they were like Kansas City's nerd rappers. Okay. And I would be in Cyphers with them and have my own group, the Black Voyagers. You can understand where my mind was at. Like 19-year-old Ed Greer. I was just trying to find something to be and do. <laughs> and uh, I, mean, I got into hip-hop when I was in, in high school, really. Not even you know, early on, but in high school, yeah. like liked rap. Uh, liked hip hop, and the funny thing is, like, I I was a really decent rapper. Like, you know, in Kansas City, I was like I am out here four years ago. As far as everywhere I go, come into the room, they go, "Hey, that's Recluse." That's my rap name, Recluse, because I felt <laughs> like I was a loner. <laughs> and so like, deep. yeah, there there's Recluse right there. Hey, Clues. Hey, what's up, Clues G? You know, Ed Green. Yeah, Clues yeah. G. What's up, Clues G? So it was like, I don't know. I've been kind of a He's a popular guy who hasn't made it yet guy in two separate industries. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was a decent level rapper, but we never really got whole records recorded, maybe EP or something like that. But like the skill and wanting to rap, and you start to get in your 20s, edged up into your 30s and stuff, and you start going, nobody wants to hear a 34-year-old dude rap about shit unless he's already been rapping for 20 years. 
So you start thinking in your mind. At the time, I was maybe 20, 28, 29. Yeah. And that's when I started comedy, by the way. I started mm-hmm. comedy at 28. Because I spent so much time trying to be a screenwriter, so much time trying to be a worker bee. Yeah. You know, for the Kansas City experience, I, I never thought at 21, hey, buddy, just go out to L.A. and try, apply your trade. To try to, and Kansas City taught me nobody does that. Who does that? That's stupid. Mm-hmm. And I literally just worked at a job for years after high school trying to get money to do that. I could have got trapped. If I got some bitch pregnant, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> and in that period, I would, I'd just be done. I'd be a Kansas City regular guy. Working at Rib Tech or some shit. You know? <laughs> so ribs are us. <laughs> yeah. But the the rapping stuff, I just really liked to rap, and and I had experience really rapping, and then I started seeing that like certain parody rhymes would just come to me, mm-hmm. like the the Spider Man rap that's very readily available on the internet. That thing, I was in traffic. I used to work at a mortgage job in Orange County, and anybody who's unfamiliar with California, Orange County is like forty minutes. Or an hour with no traffic sometimes away from true L.A. And I'd be in like two hours of traffic. And one day in the middle of traffic, the whole Spider-Man rap just came to me. The entirety of it popped into my head. And I wrote it on my steering wheel. Whoa. That's dangerous. I haven't changed one lyric since. Really? It just, the whole thing popped in my head. Isn't that the best when everything's just like, bloop? It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. There's been several times that's happened with the, the white girl song. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, instead of white lines, white girls. That mm-hmm. pop, that it was just. And it's like, are you the? And that it really weirded me out though, because some of them started to take a racial tone. Like there were raps about real social issues, and there yeah. were really hardcore raps and stuff. Like the thing I do about uh, the Klan. If the Klan made made a rap song, I would, <laughs> black people would buy it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's got a whole political point to it and stuff like that. Because I feel like the beat drowns out a lot of social crap. Like the beat. Like Chris Rock said, the beat makes girls ignore the fact that, oh, bitch, suck my dick, you're a horrible person, I'm a come in your eye. Yeah. Black people, same thing. It makes black people like forget that every other person who gets shot in the song is another black person. Every other problem <laughs> that happens in there is caused by a black person. The black person is the problem. Nobody raps about any oppression or anything like that anymore. It's always like, this nigga fuck with me, I shot him. <laughs> Solve the problem. Black on black crime solves everything, guys. Boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's sad. So I wanted to do a, a rap about that, you know? So a lot of things that I wanted to do that were more political or mean to a certain group or in, or whatever, mm-hmm. I would put it in a rap. And it would soften it. and give me a nice oh. little fat applause break. Absolutely. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I started learning how to play the game kind of early on, but like now I really, really get it. And so, like, I'm. I really feel like uh, I'm ready to do my like like hip hop EP slash comedy EP. So that's that's a project. I'm also doing my comic book. I'm doing uh, some illustration stuff for certain pilots and stuff. So like, a lot of the contacts I've made over eight years, bottom line, are coming together right now. Yeah. And if there is a young comic listener to this, just the stuff that you're doing every day is going to coalesce if you keep working. You know. Don't give up. Look at that. Positive messages on this podcast. Yeah. Well, let's get to the negativity. <laughs> Here's uh, the section. The Hollywood bitch slap. Ed, we briefed you on it. Oh, but shit. You, you got one for us. It's uh, time in your Hollywood life, auditions, shows, experiences uh, in general. I'm, I think I'm getting the Hollywood bitch slap right now. Oh. I really think I am. Because, like, right now, I... I, I Last maybe little while, I haven't had a day job or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm mostly making uh, money doing illustrations for people 
uh, and uh, trying to get jobs, you know, kind of doing illustration stuff, storyboards, things like that. So if you need, no, <laughs> uh, is uh, Ed Greer Destroys on DeviantArt. Uh, but the bottom line is, like, right now, I think I have less money than I've had out here for a while because I had day jobs and I had this and I had that, all these yeah. plan Bs, you know. So I think right now I'm getting kicked in the nuts. My yeah, girl got- had like four strokes a year ago, so it's hard for her to work or, have, you know, to work physically. She could sit at a table and type or whatever. So I kind of finagled her a job on the phone doing some shit, and I got her uh, – Clay Wiggins, love you. Uh, and I got her uh, uh, an audition for a website, popular website, that they write stuff. You know, they write like celebrity crap. So if she gets those jobs, guess what? I can focus on my art. And it won't be such a bitch slap. But right now, man, I'm poor. Yeah. I'm great. And I am poor. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, and I think the most, the most major bitch slap I think I've gotten is like when people tell you that they'll get you on TV. Yeah. And it doesn't happen. Oh, man. It's, uh, I mean, I even, uh, I even, uh, earlier this year, uh, uh, I got approached, and I and I came to Ed first because I, I thought of uh, Ed immediately, and and I, this <laughs> this even happened with with Ed and I. I got approached to sh- uh, put together a lineup of comics who do comic book themed material. I remember that, oh. and uh, it was just one of those heartbreaking things. It, it just did not work out. As soon as uh, I set up the the time for the producers and stuff to come out and I set it up with the comedy store. We were going to shoot at the comedy yeah. store and all this stuff. Uh, they backed out like last minute and uh, they were like wanting to make it for a little bit cheaper. And I'm like, I'm getting you everything for fr- like free, like right. free space and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, and and maybe it'll happen eventually. But I mean, that's like literally a firsthand example of, of a time. I came to Ed, I was like, Ed, th- this may or may not happen because huh. <laughs> I've already we've been through it enough. Oh here yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. Like, no, where uh, we know <laughs> that there could be possibilities for for um, opportunities. And I was like, this this might happen, and then it ended up not happening. But the first person I thought of comic book themed material, I was like, oh, Ed Greer, like that's he is like the king <laughs> well. uh, of that. Although, and that the the Hollywood bitch slap is also when you start to realize that like you might. I think a lot of people, they think bombing is a bitch slap. You know what I mean? And I don't, a lot of people who have been in it as long and trying to do it at the level that I'm trying to do it and that everybody, you know, is trying to do it, they don't really bomb that much. But the times they bomb, it's really horrific because they're trying yeah. something so new and so avant-garde that it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, this is so bad. Yeah. Like, And I'm starting to I'm, – I'm entering into a period where I'm okay with bombing because, you know, one thing, Egg Destroys. I didn't, like, make that up. Like, it started to be a thing. Like, oh, man, Egg Destroys, Egg Destroys. And I started being like, wow, that's really cool. And I and it was right as Twitter was coming into a thing that I wanted to do, so I was just like, oh, Ed Greer destroys. That's a, it was one of the only iterations of Ed Greer that wasn't that taken. wasn't taken, yeah. And I was like, it's almost like a godsend. Like people say it, and I, you know, and I got to start believing and thinking it. The problem is when it gets to the point where Ed Greer destroys can't go into a show and work out work out material anymore because oh. I got to destroy. And that got me into a stagnated pit of doing this, some of the same dope-ass material, but like over and over again at different places where I shouldn't have even tried to do that. But everybody would be like, I would, we used to go to, what you call it, uh, uh, UCLA, Bruco. Bruco, yeah. And sometimes, and you can vouch for this, sometimes the room would be almost empty, and then uh, somebody says that I'm going to go up or Jeremiah's going to go up and the room would fill up. 
So all of a sudden, you got all these people wanting to see this dope-ass thing. <sighs> yeah. And then you can't work out anymore. Now, all of a sudden, you can work out, but you risk failing in front of a bunch of people. And you don't care about those people. You're not getting paid. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's but not industry. Same, yeah, but at the same time, you don't want to do bad. You don't mm-hmm. want other comics to go, hey, I think Jeremiah's kind of falling off. He tried to do this one thing where he stood really still, and he acted like he was an ice cube. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, he's trying to not... He's trying to go away from the physical thing. He's going to be an ice cube for a second. See if he can do an ice cube melting with just his eyes or something. You know what I mean? Weird yeah. bullshit that you have to try. You need to, to write for me. This is just making up weird, a great bit. Right, right, right. No, just weird bullshit no, that you no, have to totally, try. Totally. And it's like I would stop trying. So I think my career, frankly, got retarded by about two years by being Edgar destroys too much instead of Edgar mm-hmm. experiments and tries to grow. Right. So that's why I feel like right now uh, I'm coming out of a big ass bitch slap that I put on myself. I told myself, I mean, everybody said I was destroying. I told myself I destroy. So it gave me no license to like just work out. So if you see me in the next couple of months, I still destroy. I'm still the best. But God damn it, I'm trying something. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to grow. Well, I've been seeing you more recently on pop, just popping up at a lot more random shows around mm-hmm. town because th- I feel like. Um, Whenever I got out here, uh, and I was like, "This is slowly getting into the scene." Like you, mm-hmm. were, like you were, like you said, like you were on like every show for a while there, and mm-hmm. then like uh, uh, for a little bit, like you're here and there. I think you were like focusing on like some art stuff, and like now it's like I'm just trying to say I'm excited for this comeback, basically, of what's right. going on right now. Well, I mean, now I'm drawing so much. I'm getting. Ill. I'm actually getting. Ill. I never. I always drew my whole life. And I started getting illustration work this year because I started trying to get illustration work yeah. this year because I started believing in it. That's another thing. I didn't believe in myself a lot, to tell you the truth. Like I, I felt like I allowed other people's perception of me to fuel my own perception of myself. So Edgar destroys. That's great. Now I feel great. Edgar bombs one time. Oh, I feel bad. Fuck y'all. Edgar's still great. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really, it took me a while to really get that in my head that I'm great regardless of what happens. It's okay, whatever happens. Mm-hmm. So if anybody out there is listening, they fucking get something out of that. Just like, it's okay, whatever happens, as long as you're progressing in what you want to do. Now, if what you want to do is fail for 15 years, then maybe, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, you, you don't know that. You don't know that until you try. And I also think, apply yourself to the stuff that you really love to do. I never tried to sell a drawing until this year, and I've been probably able to sell drawings for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't believe it. If you don't believe it, nobody else is. Yeah. Uh, a cool expression I've heard is, uh, why is anybody else going to drink your Kool-Aid if you don't even drink it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I heard that. I was like, oh, that's so true. Like, yeah. if you're not really supportive and and really believing and uh backing and behind what you want to to show people what you're capable of then why is anybody else going to be like oh yeah this guy's really good like if you, if you don't even right. believe it oh and i do have a real bitch slap like an actual a real one i'm like three years into comedy and i go down to the comedy union mm-hmm. the comedy union is a predominantly black club love that club yeah Predominantly black club, they do all kind of like different shows there with all sorts of different people. So it's not just a black club, but it's predominantly black. Mm-hmm. I go down there on the night that they're going to put people up. It's a night where Michael Collier, I'll mention his name because uh, he, he was very influential to me as a kid. He did a show in Venice, uh, Venice Beach, where he just stood on Venice Beach outside with no mic and did a show, an HBO special. 
And it was amazing. And I was like, this dude's a genius. He just wow. stood in front of a crowd at Venice Beach with no mic, did a show, and HBO filmed it and put it on TV. That's how good it was. I mean, he's amazing. And then so I go, so he's hosting this night. His wife told me he, she would get me up. So I'm like, oh, one of my stand-up heroes is going to see me. And, and, and I'm at a club, and i got a predominantly black audience. So I'm going to finally do my political black shit. They're going to love me. They're going to carry me out of here on their fucking shoulders. But they happen to be a bunch of Tyler Perry niggas, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so the type of people where it's like you can't even say something like you can't say anything really intelligent or 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 challenging to them, not because they're too dumb to understand it, but they have a very utilitarian way of thinking. Like, yeah. nigga, is it about getting money? <laughs> is it about getting money or bitches? Because you're trying to think so much, you ain't got no money or no bitches. Think about that, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was a, it, it was that was sort of the attitude that I got from some of the motherfuckers in there. And then a few of them were like very much like, yeah, brother, you know, real black power type. So they so I get up on stage to do my stuff. Uh, like 15 people out of 100 are loving it. They're clapping. They like what I'm doing cuz it's different. And then 85 people were just like, nope, nope, nope. And it was like the the Apollo if you everything the Apollo, there's a little hand motion sort of a to one side, get off the stage. To one side, they pull their thumb to the other to yeah. get off. Chicks were doing that. People started, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it was really bad. And I was trying to do off. Uh, this is a bit that I was trying to do at the time. Tookie Williams just got, uh, Tookie Williams, the leader of the Crips, just got, um, um, you know, whatever, lethal injection today. And uh, Snoop Dogg came out and said, Tookie Williams getting executed he, is bad because he was like the Martin Luther King of our generation. That needs to go in the dumb nigga time capsule. <laughs> you know, and I had all these tags. And yeah. the funny part about it was the, the people really keyed on it. Anyway, after I get off stage, getting mostly ignored, not booed, not shouted down or anything, but most people just sort of ignoring me, going that way, and a few people in little sections clapping. Yeah. I get off stage, and Michael Collier gets up there and goes, you don't never come back here talking that that smarty smart bullshit again. Try to sound so smart. You smart, huh? You smart. Man, I'll tell you what. Duh, duh, duh. And he goes in on me for like, they was only laughing. Some of the people that was clapping and stuff, they ain't real fans. They was just laughing and clapping because you you a big nigga. You was going to attack them or something. That's why they laughed. Oh you know? my and just, just terrible, like, terrible shit. Yeah. And I was so crushed. You know, because he goes off on me for like eight minutes. Yeah, that's, right? how, they that's how they do it in those rooms. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then so he goes off on me for like eight minutes. And then he says, he says to me, uh, no, he says to the crowd, now we're about to bring up a real comic with a real set. Here uh. we go. And a lady went up with a glass of Cavassia in her hand and a full pimp outfit on. And she proceeded to talk about how uh, she rubs her pussy on her couch to leave her smell around so that her young man doesn't bring any girls over and shit like that. And everybody's dying laughing at that level of bullshit. And I was in the back of the room feeling crazy. <laughs> feeling literally crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm a crazy person. And it was the first time I'd felt like that since Kansas City. Like, I am a crazy, fucked up person and the rest of these people represent real reality, and you need to get with reality. Mm -hmm. And it could have broke me, you know what I'm saying? It could have made me be one of these "Hey, everybody!" type comics. And I'm glad that it, <laughs> I'm glad that it didn't, because when I got outside, I met 15 to 20 people of those hundred people who were like, "I know what you were, I know what you were doing, man. That shit was funny." And nobody was criticizing how I was doing it or anything. They really liked what I was doing. They weren't pitying me. They really banded around me and said. 
somebody's got to say the things that really need to get said. And it really just blew my mind up. And I think I started becoming a pretty good comic after that because I wasn't scared to do that anymore. I had the worst bomb I could ever have. I got it out of my system. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So that was a bitch slap that really helped me. That's you know? great, dude. Frick. You gotta believe in yourself. Absolutely. Dude, Ed, we've freaking loved having you on the show, man. Uh, now's the time to plug uh, your Twitter, website, anything like that, YouTube. All right. Well, uh, there's a website called deviantart.com. It's not a bunch of pictures of wieners or nothing. It's got a, a <laughs> bunch of cool art on it. Uh, my ID on there is Ed Greer Destroys. I'm also Ed Greer Destroys on Instagram, which I, I promised to update a little bit better uh, with my drawings and stuff. And uh, Ed Greer Destroys on Twitter as well. And I, I just want to say, guys, thank you so much for having me on here. And uh, anybody that has commissions they want me to do as far as portraits and stuff, you can look at how I do that. Good comic book work. Yeah. Let's see if we can get me some money during the day so I can destroy it at night, guys. <laughs> you know, there let's see go. if we can do that. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming by. We've loved having you and uh, love you, man. Always, uh, always inspiring to be around you. And I love uh, being able to uh, say that I work with you around town and at uh, the different clubs, dude. Yep, we'll be famous in a minute. <laughs> <laughs>